1: On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview. Like, as always, I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes, and all the show notes can be found at theentrepreneurethos.com As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. Thanks for the shares. Thanks for the emails. Thanks. Just thanks for everything. Now, on to my guest for today, Yarun Korthout, who is the co-founder of SalesFlare, a CRM that automates sales leads and helps you track your own sales. Jeroen was bitten by the entrepreneurial bug as a teenager when he started designing websites. He went on to study biomedical electrical engineering at university, but realized it wasn't ultimately the kind of work he was drawn to. Instead, he took a job in a pharmaceutical marketing position, but knew he wanted to eventually start his own company. Within a year, he moved to a consultancy where he learned a lot about how to have your own business and what it would be like in managing all of that. After diving into various ventures, he and his co-founder of Doctura, originally a service that offered personalized readers for doctors to help them stay on top of the latest developments to offer actual sales and marketing to tech and healthcare companies. It was in the process of selling Doctura that Yarun found the issue that sales flare seeks to solve, how to effortlessly automate data to collect all of it all so that you can put it through your sales process. This is a huge problem. It's just nutty how they've solved this, which is great. Your sees selling as a process that requires empathy. And a key part of that is the empathy of problem solving or having empathy for the problem that your customer is trying to solve. Selling is basically collaborative. and It's the quintessential element that has helped humanity solve problems for centuries. Now, Let's get better together. Yeroen Korthout. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Yari. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You said it the Dutch way since you're Belgian slash whatever.
2: <laughs> I, I actually it. said it a little a little Dutch even like Yari. Yes. Um, I even changed my R a little because they do that.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, it's mostly Jari because uh, that's the English pronunciation, but it is Dutch. Yeah. Everyone, a lot of people know the story about the name and it's like, you know, the funny story that everyone's like, what kind of name is that? Because I always get Yari, <laughs> Yuri, Jerry, never Jari. So uh, appreciate, you know, coming from the homeland or close to the <laughs> homeland. Close <laughs> to the <laughs> homeland.
2: Close it's the filled with Dutch people here in Antwerp. So sort of, sort of the homeland, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, and back in the day, y'all were one country until kings or some whatever.
2: <laughs> no, actually, that's a funny story. It's a uh, the, the reason why Antwerp is still Belgium is the, the Spanish people, so you know the Protestants came and they uh could gain a lot of territory, and then the, the, the Spanish people sent uh their troops to defend Catholicism, and the the last vestige that they had like they built this huge wall around Antwerp uh, with this with these big uh, funny shapes, um, and this is this is from from here they protected Catholicism. But they didn't get any further. They didn't get over the rivers to the Netherlands. So the Netherlands is Protestant, and we are Catholic.
1: Wow, that's pretty cool. Well, I'm glad you clarified that. I love history and also geography. And there's a great book called "Prisoners of Geography" that talk about how literally the way geography puts into world history for like eons. You just can't, you can't escape it. So like, yeah, couldn't get across the river. Okay, we're going to stop at <laughs> Antwerp. But we could talk about history all, all we want, but we're not here to talk about history. We're here to talk about what you guys are doing over at um, SalesFlare. Um, but before we talk about that, I would just love to hear how you got to do what you're doing today. Uh, where do I start with the story? Uh, wherever you want to, <laughs> I wherever I want to. <laughs> I always okay. say, give me, give me the nickel tour, or I guess it would be the what's the euro cento cento tour, <laughs> It's a it's a euro cent, yeah, euro cent. So give me the five euro cent tour,
2: the five euro cent tour. Okay, um, I'll I'll start uh pretty close from from where we are today. Um, well, I'll, I'll go a bit a bit further back. So when I was a kid, I really loved. Building stuff. Um, at some point, uh, after playing a lot of games and trying to hack the parameters of these games and stuff to, you know, all this kind of stuff, uh, I discovered the joy of building websites, which was really cool because you, the, the, like, the internet was just coming up and everyone needed a website. And I started experimenting with Flash. That was a thing back then, and uh, I built websites for a few people. And I saw myself starting a web agency uh, in the future. I was just 15, 16, so I still still was going to go to university. Um, But um, fast forward, I studied engineering, not computer engineering, because the people I saw there uh, seemed a bit uh, boring, and the things they were displaying at the open day were also like out of this world. I didn't get it. Um, So I ended up studying electrical engineering. I specialized in the biomedical uh, sphere. When I went looking for jobs, I didn't like any of the engineering jobs I got. I wanted to do something with people. Um, And one evening after applying at a few companies, I was so frustrated that I applied for business school. Um, I did business school for a year and then ended up in marketing, still in healthcare, because I studied biomedical engineering. Um, I actually started in a pharma company as a, as a marketeer. Um, I was responsible for food vaccines and then helped uh, uh, some more senior marketers with their products, which were all in blood plasma products. Um, I thought I was going to learn there how to start a company because I had my own product and I would put in the market and stuff. But I found out that my responsibilities were so limited that it was nothing like being an entrepreneur Uh, I've done that for only 10 months. Um, After those 10 months, I joined a consultancy um, where I became the youngest account manager. So I was responsible for selling. Uh, Basically, two things came together. My uh, love for websites and digital marketing and uh, my knowledge of uh, pharmaceuticals, uh, pharmaceutical marketing, Uh, because there there weren't many people in in pharma uh, which knew how digital marketing worked Uh, I went working at a consultancy that specialized in that Um, so I sold these projects end-to-end I would listen to the big pharma companies um, see what we could do for them write the proposal make a budget get people behind it make sure the project was managed deliver it make sure it was invoiced all these kind of things which was a great um, experience Uh, I learned a ton from that uh, when it comes to starting my own company because that was really almost like having my own company uh, but I'm within a company. And um, during that period, I always knew I wanted to start something myself. So I um, I started a bunch of things, uh, small projects. I tested stuff. Um, One thing I started was uh, sort of an online medical Reader for doctors to stay on top of the latest research based on their interests um, and and, and servicing the relevant things. Um, I also then, because that didn't seem to have a, a great business model, I thought it was going to happen with ads, but, you know, only so many things happen. Uh, weren't, yeah, weren't only so many things ads. happen
1: with ads for sure. Yeah.
2: yeah. You need a lot of uh, volume. And of course I, I knew the pharma companies, Uh, And I knew how to uh, get them to pay ads, but still, it was a a long shot. Um, Then I started uh, something where I would help people that would go to the World Cup in Brazil to organize a trip. My wife is Brazilian, she helped me a bit with that. Uh, It was a a nice idea, I made some money, but uh, the website died when the World Cup was over. It was an obvious thing, uh, but in retrospect. then I helped start up a company um, that uh, was in telemedicine, as we call it in, in healthcare. So they were following up uh, patients with pacemakers um, through one dashboard from different manufacturers uh, would make it way easier for nurses. Um, we started that at a, at a startup weekend and um, we then applied for funding from the government. We got it, and then we were a bunch of guys from the Startup Weekend with funding. Um, it was a bit of a funny situation. I, at some point, decided to exit it because I, I didn't see it going anywhere by now. That company has raised many millions of funding, uh, but I'm not a part of it anymore. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's always the anti-portfolio, right? It's like, oh, yeah, what a yeah. great, ah, oh, guess that didn't, I guess I didn't know what I was doing at that point. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I was actually, I had a bunch of projects running at that moment. So I, I took a, my notebook, I started writing them all down. and I was like, what's, what's not going to become anything?
1: This. <laughs> that was wrong. <laughs> well, I've, I do that all the time too. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur, right? I mean, like who knows what's going to really be successful ultimately. I mean, you have an inkling, but you got to make your shot, right? You can't just like do a thousand different things. You have to be like, okay, no. it's this one. And I think that's a great lesson. Like sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't. Oh, well. (laughs) Exactly.
2: But I'm happy because that put me on the track where I am today. Um, Actually, what happened right around the same moment was uh, my current co-founder, we met each other way back when I was working on that medical reader thing. Um, He was working on something else. We were together in in a startup accelerator. Um, he calls me one day and he says, I'm going to Vegas. Uh, I have a software company. Uh, we're going to a conference. I just still need a sales guy. Do you want to join? Uh, I said, sure, why not? I'll take a few days off. Um, so we did that. We got a lot of interest in our product, oh, the, their product. Um, and we decided we, we should work together. Um, I sort of joined their company. Uh, I started marketing and sales. And that's where the idea for Salesforce started, because we had a lot of good leads and we wanted to follow them up well, but we didn't find anything that really worked for us. Uh, And sure, there's there's a lot of CRM systems out there um, and they're supposedly built for that, but they always come with the expectation that you're going to fill them out uh, very diligently, perfectly, every single detail, and if you don't uh, meet that expectation, which is set pretty high, um, then the system just falls apart. Uh, because what happens then is like, you don't find every everything in the system, um, which makes that you don't rely on it that much anymore. You put less data in it, and at some point you just stop using it altogether. But it's essential that you use such a system because you cannot just, based on memory, follow up We had 120 leads at that moment. We cannot follow 120 leads just thinking like, oh, should follow this guy today or that guy tomorrow. Uh, So you need some sort of system. And um, lazy as we are, and we are also busy with bringing data together, we figured like, why don't we build a system that automatically keeps track of all these things? Because actually all of the things we're inputting in these systems is already somewhere. Like the fact that we're emailing them is in our inbox. Uh, actually, they actually have email signatures in their emails, which, which we can pull in. Um, uh, their names and email address. Uh, there's also stuff in the in our calendar, like the meetings that they happen, with who, when, all those details. It's calls in the phone. There is email tracking we can integrate and website tracking to keep track of the whole uh, set of interactions uh, beyond just the email and, and the meetings and stuff. Uh, there's information in company databases, there's information on social media, you know, and we thought we could just pull all that data together, organize it for us, and that we have a view on things. We don't need to manage it manually. Um, of course, we, we still need to say, like, yes, we want to track this company, and yes, it's okay to add that contact and stuff, but the rest uh, would happen for us. That was our vision for Salesflare, and that's uh, what we offer today and, and more. Uh, to now I think a bit over two thousand companies,
1: oh wow, two thousand companies that's 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 pretty cool, yeah, like I've talked with well I talked to lots of people about you know entrepreneurship, and one of my big things that I always try to work on is sales i mean i'm somewhat yeah. somewhat getting better at it, but I uh, just uh, you know the people can cringe when they hear me say that um and I've used a lot of these um SaaS sales automation tools. I, I shall, they shall remain nameless <laughs> because I don't want to, okay. cut them off. but what's interesting is, yeah, like it's all about how much you've input into these things. And I know a bunch of people that do run sales teams or sales associates, and it's like pulling teeth to get them to enter stuff, which it seems like the biggest problem for any of these things. It's like, there's so much data, there's so much interaction and unless it's captured at the point of like, when you're doing it, it's lost. Or if you've got something like what you guys do, it literally like captures it automatically. And I'm, I'm curious, how do people find that? Do, do they, do they come to your customers come to you after using, you know, which will remain nameless other tools or how, how does that kind of on, how do they find you? I guess would be the good question.
2: Um... A lot of customers uh, come to us after using something that they're disappointed with. Um, many of the bigger customers uh, come from a product with a with a relatively similar name, but ending with Force, um, and then uh, a, <laughs> yes. a lot of others come from the more SMB uh, yeah. type products. Um, that's a bit of an issue for us because that that's limits our growth a little people first need to understand the issue before they come to us. And otherwise they'll just, uh, they'll just pick one of the bigger names. So right. just like, Oh, I, I know we need a CRM system, let's just pick one. Uh, and then after all they understand if there's an issue here, why we're not actually using it. And then uh, they find us. Mm.
1: So it's literally like found one of the big names, you know, which shall remain nameless, marginal to frustrating success, and then look up alternative to said tool, and sales flare pops up.
2: <laughs> they usually uh, they do a lot of research, oh, so they okay. go on uh, on this kind of review sites, list things, they make lists, they try the products, they see like, okay, this this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this is complex, this, you know, they usually uh, look for something simpler, more lightweight. And then when they, they see what we offer, they're also like, oh my God, this also automates everything. Because it's, it's also difficult for us to make that claim. We say, you, you don't have to do the data inputs and all that, but everybody claims that. Right. Uh, right. The right. thing is that in most cases, uh, what they offer in terms of data automation is much more limited. And it's also not built to be a system that, that is automated. It's a manual system, which then pulls in some data we've we've taken it the other way around we've built an automated system with which you can also still do manual stuff um but mar- marketing message wise that's a bit hard to convey
1: yeah it would seem that way because you're sort of you're marketing against <clears throat> like the failure of another tool or the failure of another product yet you have reimagined what it is and a lot of entrepreneurs have this sort of problem so They look at the market. They see these massive behemoth companies, and they're like, "Why in heck would you ever do another, you know, tool like this?" Right? Well, there's usually a really good reason. I mean, look at the look at the search. Look at search. Like the best one is search. Everyone's like, "You're crazy to do another search engine." Yet DuckDuckGo said, "Well, there's a better way." Right? And it's interesting the contrast because. I can I can see if you've built something with automation first as opposed to an afterthought, that that's a way more powerful, ingrained in your culture to automate as opposed to just throw bodies at it. Which you know, again, I'm in San Francisco, so the place that we're talking about, I can see their tower everywhere around San Francisco. Yeah, and so, you know, some people would always say. They would send pictures on Instagram and say, look, the Salesforce tip. And you're like, oh man, we're not going to go down that road. But you know, what's interesting is that a lot of entrepreneurs have this problem. And I really love the fact that you've identified the whole, the sort of like alternative to after the failure of the first thing, right? Like, And it's a hard thing to market against because you almost got to educate the customer that please don't go down the bad path because we're the better path, yet... There's some things we just can't teach you because you're just going to have to feel the pain for yourself. So in your in your messaging, exactly. your marketing, your content, you know the story you tell your potential customers. How do you address that? Are are you addressing that, or is it just sort of like, well, we sort of just have to like play the play the game a little bit?
2: No, we address it uh, definitely, but then a lot of other people also claim it, uh, which is what makes it hard in a in a world where. Marketing messages are free. Uh, It's it's a bit hard to to clearly make the difference. What we then try to do is to uh, make sure that people actually try our product, that they see the difference. Uh, So we've been working on a lot of things there to show that value quicker. um, When you come to our site and and try the product, you can even try our product without signing up for an account. And in that uh, walkthrough, we'll show you how it's different
1: interesting yeah yeah it's always like this is such a hard nut to crack when it comes to entrenched companies offering the same tool right they say Mm -hmm. they have the same features and functions quote unquote but yet the amount of hoops to jump through to do that is so much bigger and i guess by the time you get invested in that you're like well Don't really want to cancel this now, although for small to medium businesses, making that bad decision is just horrible. I remember a couple of times where like, you know, investing in all these sales tools and they just didn't work and we just never used them. We then went back to a Google sheet or a spreadsheet, right? It's like, I have this fancy, fancy tool with a pipeline and all these sort of things. And I'm literally like in Excel (laughs) tracking it because it's such a pain in the butt.
2: Wow. I actually wrote that somewhere in marketing material recently where I said, like, uh, are, are people at your company uh, using sheets next to the CRM? Then, you know, there's an issue. And, you know, with that that is, is very, very, very common.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so what what's sort of the ideal customer that you guys target? Is it is it SMBs or what what's sort of the, the kind of mix? It's
2: uh SMB selling B2B. Uh mostly appeals to agencies and tech companies right now because those are the ones that I, I think uh it's because those are the ones that are a bit more uh technically adept. They they understand that there should be better solutions. So they go look for them and then they find us.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, as an agency myself, yeah, it's the B2B sales process really it could be so much better improved with a good tool that you can like work on the flow. I mean, this is always the problem that entrepreneurs face, like especially tech founders that are, you know, building a SaaS company, right? They're, they think, Oh, you know what? I'll just get, I'll just hire a bunch of sales associates and they'll sell my stuff for me. And I'm like, no, man, doesn't work that way. Like as the founder, yeah. right? You're the first salesperson, whether you like it or not, right. Whether you like it or not, because you're going to have to sell to, hundred customers to figure out the formula, right? Because none of those other, like no, no sales associate's gonna figure that out. That's your job, right? And so do you have like a bunch of training? Like how how does it? I'm just fascinated on onboarding. Like to me, onboarding and getting people productive quickly, literally I think is the is the key to success in all these sort of things. So the quick win, the ramp up to I can't live without this tool, right? How do you guys go about that? Because that just seems like a hard kind of nut to crack.
2: Yeah, we, we have a, a sort of built-in setup guide which guides you through the steps. They all have articles and videos. You also get um, uh, you get incentivized to go through the steps for all the onboarding because like, you get extra days on the trial. Uh, and then when you do it, you get this notification that says, yeah, you've gained extra days on the trial. And if you're with a team, it says, like, "Jari uh, gained extra days on the trial. Oh, interesting. Um, and then we have, we've actually helped people. Um, but what you're saying, actually, I'm I'm thinking we should probably add a course on sales somehow. That would be useful.
1: Oh, yeah, um, I agree. Super useful. Like, And I love that you earn little credits as you like onboard yourself. Like it's in your best interest to like work on this tool yet. We're going to incentivize you because there's a, there's a tool called, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Jarvis.ai?
2: I heard about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's the copy. It's the AI copywriting tool. Well, they did something brilliant. Like I was shocked. They sent out an email and they said, Take a training and we'll give you 10,000 words of credit because they do buy words of credit. And you're like, you mean mm-hmm. I show up to your training to train me how to use the tool better that I've already paid for? And you're going to give me something to be trained. And I'm like, that's genius. <laughs> yeah. You guys win the Internet today. <laughs> so it yeah. could be something that you guys could think about because. The the thing that I found with all these tools, and even when I went to actually I went to the training, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, show me how to show me how to be more productive. Because the faster I can get productive, the faster you're in my workflow. I'm hooked. That's like with you know Mm -hmm. the the, one of the best tools that I use is Canva. You know, I'm sure you've heard of Canva. Mm -hmm. I love Canva so much because it's so easy and it's so addictive, and they like make it easy for me to be productive. Right. Yeah. Maybe you guys should think about that because it's such a, it's once you've got a good tool and you've proven it to the customer, which sometimes you have to like kicking and screaming, you know, punching them in the head. Like this is really good for you. It's like anything. It's like take your vitamins, but I don't want to go exercise, Ah, but it's good for you. Um, Right. Then you get them as a long-term customer and that long-term value just keeps on going and going. And I think a lot of the reason why I bring this up is because a lot of entrepreneurs, when they're first starting out, they get their product market fit. They're trying to figure out their go-to-market strategy. They usually are like, oh, north of buy. I got to get customers to buy. But they never like focus on south of buy. Like, Get them productive quickly so that they'll tell all their buddies.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, that's exactly why we give people extra days on the trial. Right. It's up. a
1: great idea. Uh, a because great idea.
2: We, we've seen in our data even that if – well, obviously if someone gets gets a better onboarded, they're more likely to subscribe, right? That, that's, that's, that's quite obvious. But what you can also see in the long run is that people who uh, do more of these steps in your the onboarding, they also stay much longer. Hmm. So the churn is way lower, uh, which is well, double interesting at that point. So giving them some extra free days, it, 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 it doesn't hurt really because they're going to stay extra long.
1: Yeah. I just love that incentive process because a lot of times with free trials and I'm guilty of this, right? Oh, what a cool tool. Sign up for the free trial. And then eh, I'll get to it later. Eh, I'll get to it later. Expired. Right. And then you're like, ah, well, okay, done. Right. But there's no, you know, like I'll I'll give you like with Jarvis is because I've been using Jarvis with Jarvis. It's Mm -hmm. like, here's the free trial. Here's the training, like we want to get you up to speed really quick. And I mean, I had a use for it and I was just really curious, but they just, they like were beating on me. (laughs) Hey man, come to the training, come to the training. We're going to give you stuff if you train on our tool, which I was like, this blows me away. So I actually, I should try to get them on the show because it was such a great way to incentivize someone that was going to pay you anyway. And then the other one I thought was really cool that they did was they gave you, Bonus, they gave you more words, right? If you wrote a review. So it's like, oh, if you, an honest review will give you 10,000 things or whatever. Well, <laughs> the cool thing about Jarvis, which I don't know if they, they, they tout, I'm going to let the secret out. They have a template that you can put in Jarvis that's review template. <laughs> so you can <laughs> generate a review for Jarvis in Jarvis. So it's like, click a bunch of, and it's, magic right uses gpt3 right that is that is amazing so that's interesting um, like oh you know like farther on down the line I'm, the reason i think about all this cuz i'm like so fascinated on okay i got someone to interact with my tool how do i get them to keep on using it how do i incentivize them to continue on you know the the north of buy stuff is hard right i get it but that's pretty much there's things you can do brute force right but it's the making them productive and then making them an advocate. Because the end, in the end, I would love everyone to be like, oh, got to use Salesforce, best thing in the world. Like, oh, you got to use Jarvis, best thing. I mean, I'm talking about Jarvis or I talk about Respona or I talk about Canva. It's like, I love these tools. That's who you want. <laughs> you want people to talk. So I wonder, yeah, I wonder how that would all work because I'm assuming that you have all the like, bells and whistles of a normal CRM or at least the CRM part that makes the most sense, not the, you know, company with massive tower in San Francisco, that shall rename nameless bloat, <laughs> which is, if you've ever used it, which I'm sure you have, it's, I, I can't, this is, it takes That's a team. Is, it's actually
2: the, one of the reasons uh, for us to start uh, elsewhere. I, I used it for four years and uh, it was a, a special experience. Um, But I I want to ask you another question. Why is it that you you find sales so icky? What don't you like about sales? For
1: for me, it's the, um, I feel like I'm, I don't know if it's not lying. I think lying is the bad word. I, I just feel like I'm not like wasting people's time or not, you know, it, it's just, it's not something that I would like to do. You know, I, I'd rather solve problems and like build stuff. And, and what's interesting is that as I've thought about this, my attitude changes to how do I help people solve problems? I mean, I love, I, there's not, if someone said, Jari, I have a problem. Can you help me with, it? I'm like, I'm in right now. The only question is, oh, you're gonna pay me <laughs> that's the part that's weird I'm like ah yeah well it's gonna cost this much yeah so,
2: so so you understood that that's that sales is, is about solving problems but finding what' what someone's problem is what, then finding out what the context is why did they solve it yet how can we get over that can we help or is it better that someone else helps and then and then guiding them through the process to actually uh, solving it with you uh, if that if that makes sense. That's what sales is about, and nothing else. So, it's not about um, annoying people. Uh, it's not about uh, uh, doing this, this amazing demo uh, without listening to the, the client first or something. Uh, it's really about uh, solving their issues. It's listening what do they need? Can we solve it? How can we guide them towards a solution? How can we make them successful with it? Uh, all these yeah. kind of things. Um, So it's really about having a lot of empathy and solving their issues and then doing that at scale, uh, which is where uh, a software system comes in to organize yourself. Because if you you have a lot of empathy and you're super organized, then you can be a a top salesperson.
1: Yeah, no, it's so true. There's a book I read by John Hill was called, I'm looking it up right now. Because um, I just literally—it's called selling from scratch. How to sell more by simply being human. And you know, I met John through another friend. And uh, you know, he's not the stereotypical sales guy. Obviously, I've. What's interesting is in my head, I've got like the guy from Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, right? Alec Baldwin. Oh, wow, that's Glenn. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Coffees for closers, right? So I have this in my mind, right? And it's—I know it's bad, and I even have a cousin that's a sales professor of sales and marketing at Florida state. Like he tells me jar, it's not the way it is, man. You gotta be more, you know, like think about more. Right. But, and so it just gets beat in my head, but as a, as an engineer, like my mindset's different. Like I like to solve problems, but I have to get over the barrier of, Oh, I'm solving problems and you're going to pay me to solve problems. You know, even though I run my own firm, that's what people do, but it's, just this weird, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm working through it. <laughs> a lot of, lot of challenge, a lot of challenge and struggle, but, but John's book was really fascinating because, you know, I've read a lot of sales books and I try to you know do more and more with it. But his, his approach was your, to your point, like, look, this is a conversation about helping someone solve a problem. If you can help them, great. If you can't, then you should help them find someone else. And as I've had that more and more of that attitude, I'm like, oh, okay, well, this is just a, a problem-solving process that involves money. Okay.
2: exactly. <laughs> That's how we collaborate. That's how we decide to uh, give give each other our time. We get rewarded yeah. with money in, in yeah. return. So, yeah. so exactly. it's also a natural way of dealing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just so, gosh, it's, it's for me, it's, it's such a tough thing. And I mean, I'm, I'll always love talking to people that are – dedicated themselves to the sales process. Because I think that if, if you're an entrepreneur, the one thing you have to learn is sales. You will not be successful unless you know how to sell what you've built. And, and when you build something, that's half the battle. The other half the battle is selling and marketing it. And if you build the best thing in the world and you don't sell it and market it, is it really the best thing in the world? <laughs> it's like that's <laughs> true, right? Totally true. And a lot of lot of
2: technical entrepreneurs are very afraid of selling because they think like I'm a very bad salesperson. They say, and uh, but then then what I say to them is, uh, you're the one who knows this product in and out. You're solving this issue every day. You know your customers. You know their context. You know why you're doing this. You have all the passion. If you cannot sell it, nobody can. No one All can. you really have to do is listen to that person first. Don't just don't just throw the, your product at them. Just listen first, understand very well what their issues are, and then tie it back to like with your product or services. Can you make a difference for them, or can you not? Uh, do you need to adjust your product or offer another service, or is it just not a customer for you? That that, that comes after that. Uh, and then you just need to organize yourself around uh, guiding them to a solution. And I'll, I'll, I'll pull it now to an even uh, a higher philosophical level. If you think about it, what sets humanity apart from, let's say, monkeys, uh, is that we are really great at collaborating with each other, mm. right? Mm. If we were all separate, we would be just like the monkeys. Yep. But we've pulled it to a level we build a world together and how does that happen You think that collaboration <laughs> obviously uh, that's sales like we solve issues for each other uh, we ask money in return which makes this a really frictionless sort of thing going on and like that we build up society uh, we actually become stronger together through sales so sales is like one of the most essential things you can do. It's, it's, the, it's the part of the process where you figure out the collaboration together. And then there's also still the other part where you uh, where you build a product for them that solves the issue, or you offer a service that solves an issue. You know, uh, So any company builds a product or a service or delivers it, whatever, and sells. Those are the, the two essential parts in, um, in human collaboration.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I really agree. And I think, you know, to your point about training sales training, like as to get people like to better use your tool or whatever, I think, I think it's John. Yeah. Yeah. It's John. John does this thing. He calls it the sales lab where people come in and they sell each other. They practice selling each other, (laughs) which it seems I know. Okay. This sounds like a silly thing, but this is what, um, this is what my cousin at Florida state does they have all of these sales competitions for their students. Like the students will go and they'll get judged on how well they sell. So it's a muscle and a practice, which, you know, of course, all the sports analogies are, are there, right? Like the more you practice, the better you're at it, even if you fail and at game day, now you're ready at game day. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe that's something that you guys could also offer, like free sales practice. Come pitch, come pitch your company. We'll give you points. I don't know. I mean, who knows? What do I know? <laughs> Just so silly, silly guy with a podcast. So, what, what do you think? You know, what are some of the questions that this next generation of entrepreneur should ask themselves about being an entrepreneur? What are your thoughts on that?
2: I think further on the same point, um, am I solving an issue that really matters to me? Um, And am I solving it for people I want to be in touch with every day? Uh, Because those things are super important, uh, uh, whether you're, uh, let's say an introvert or an extrovert, I mean, both, both parts are always a bit there. If you're not passionate about the issue, uh, you will not work on it for years and you will have to work on it for years you're not just going to become rich all of a sudden uh, it <laughs> doesn't happen like that uh, no no. Um, unless you, you work for a very long time on something and you are really good at, at, at solving it and you get a lot of people uh, that, that you can work with uh, and you can scale the thing and all that, that, that's where you become rich but that there's a large journey, a long journey and um, which you go through and that journey is super important. It's a journey in which you are solving issues, helping people. And if you don't like uh, solving the issue or you don't like the people you have to be in touch with every day, uh, then that it's that is not gonna work. Uh, you'll burn out, you'll give up uh, You know all these things. So those are the, the two most important questions to ask yourself. And it's a bit similar to uh, maybe if you, if you look for a job, um if if I give my my simplest job advice, uh, it's always that look for content of a job that you find really interesting, but also when you have an interview, make sure you meet as many people as possible in the company, mm. have a tour through the office, feel the atmosphere, uh, maybe have a have a, like a join them at some event or something. I don't know, but make sure you you want to work in that group of people. Uh, because that's that's as important as the job content itself.
1: Yeah, for sure. I always say, talk to the receptionist, get to know them, see see what they think of them. They know everything. They're the gatekeeper for everything. And if we used to have a rule that if a candidate really was treated, the receptionist bad, we wouldn't hire them. Like, nope, that's done. Good because they are like the cornerstone of this culture. They're the ones that hold all of it together. Like and you're treating them poorly just because they're quote unquote lower. It's just crazy. But wow, that was a great conversation. I feel a little better about sales now.
2: (laughs) Great. I sold you on
1: sales. (laughs) Well, I appreciate your time. Stay safe. And uh, yeah, good luck scaling a sales floor. Thanks again, Yaroon, for a awesome interview really cool to chat with you, learn a little history, as well as what you're doing at Salesflare. Now, as promised, here are some actionable insights that I learned from my interview. Am I solving a problem that matters to me? Need to have interest and passion for the issue you're working on to keep going when times get tough? So that is definitely a question to ask yourself, as well as, you know, is this something I'm to do for a long time? Um, most startups take seven to 10 years to exit or grow. So it's a long haul game. The other question is, do I like the type of people I will need to talk to in order to sell this product or service? All entrepreneurs need to talk to potential customers at some point in the process. So you should be able to connect with and enjoy talking to them. So the first salespeople In every entrepreneur endeavor, every startup is the founders. (laughs) You have to sell investors on investing in your money and put money in you, excuse me. And you also need to sell to your customers because you will never be able to tell a sales team how to sell your product unless you've sold it before. So those are the actionable insights. And as I've been doing lately, the questions that you should ask yourself, so Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.